Attention, attention, my black brothers. What I want y'all to do right now is take out the do-rag. The silky ties down. I want to see the waves glistening. If you got nappy hair, pick it. Don't let nobody discourage you. Ariel. Y'all, it is Pride Month. It is June. What is, wait, it's Pride Month. Oh, yeah, it is Pride Month, y'all. First of all, how are we <laughs> celebrating the, the how, are we, how are we celebrating? Like, what are we doing? First of all, how are we saying fuck these people that mm. are, like, basically, like, mm, we really don't fuck with y'all? Or how are y'all, like, paving the way for all of the people that came before us? What are we doing? Interesting. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep doing the same shit I do every other day of the year, but I'm going to celebrate other queer people. I've already um kind of started doing it with um my social media. I think I'm just yeah. gonna spend the next couple of weeks um just like highlighting and sharing the stories and images of other queer people. I feel like I give queerness most of the time, so. They don't need any more of me for the month of June. You Sorry. said, girl, I already am gay, uh, 25 to 8. I am here, what it is. I think I'm just going to do more research every time. I'm going to just try to learn more about queer people that have, like, paved the way for us. Like, that would be cool. I'm definitely, like, in this space of, like, first of all, I didn't know that much about Stonewall, to be transparent, because it was, like, to me, it was white. People died. Uh, people, they actually didn't nobody, die Nobody died at Stonewall. Shout out to Willem and uh, Derek Berry. For that conversation that is monumental but yeah i think i'm just gonna find more research every time and grow and see what the fuck is given but for all the people that still are on this wave of like mm, this is weird you know this is my mindset to y'all what you doing sister what we doing i feel like for pride month this year i am trying my best to be more visible mm -hmm. in reality like in real life i think i'm already visible online but ah. i feel like people who are close to me like you yeah. know that sometimes my online visibility greatly differs from my real life day-to-day -day visibility just yeah. because of like you know my job and my social circle the conservative area that i live in and i'm trying to be more visible in real life too because like why not that's how people are going to get used to us yeah yes. if we show up in real life like we show up online have a have a blazer or have like a pin that's like flat like rainbow i've always thought of something like that in a corporate space but i'm like girl that might be giving them too much ammo <laughs> well <laughs> i think that's an interesting point that you're making um i think making a choice to be more visible in spaces like work where it doesn't seem like first nature to do so is risky um but you know in the effort to push the agenda of um equality and just uh normality i think we have to be willing to take that risk it's true I agree. what is up everybody well let's <laughs> What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Lord Dev And I'm Derwin King. And welcome back to another episode of That Black Boy Joy, where we create a space where Black boys can be themselves and... So much more. You guys, you all and everybody in between, as you all can hear and as you all can see, I have a guest. We have a guest. Or I'm saying I. We have a guest in the building. And it is my best friend, a.k.a. Tone a Classic. Hi. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so yeah. I'm visiting Tone um, here in Temple Hobo, which I'm super excited to be doing. This is a really fun experience. I'm off right now, so I was like, might as well come and see my sister and then also have you on the show. I know you were on the show when I went back, we went back home to discuss it. So 
I was like, let's have you come on and talk about all things that you're working on right now. And also the conversation of, <clears throat> sorry, intimacy and sharing and yourself Ooh. slash your favorites. And that is one of your posts that you posted, you know, on your, on your blog. But we're going to get into that a little bit, introduction of who you are, um, a little bit more into the conversation we just wanted to introduce you say hey sister and all of that yes. and then also i wanted to we also wanted to talk about last week's episode we want to shout out everybody that added to the conversation specifically david johns wanting us to challenge you know our thoughts on the conversation of rejection and failure and understanding what that looks like in certain spaces in the conversation of is failure severe as we society has made it or is it just a rejection or, or is failure even what we claim it to be so i really want to like shout out david and if if you all want to add like two cents to this conversation really quick y'all can but i really appreciate him adding that feedback for us yeah it gave me it gave me a lot to think about um and something actually that i want to sit on for quite some time um because it made me realize that i have not divorced um from this like standard idea of success um, that was something that he made a point to say. So um, just like defining success for ourselves. And I've heard people say it a lot. And I theoretically, it's one of those things, as I've said yeah. before, that I know theoretically, but don't put in practice. So in, I want to sit with uh, that idea of rejection, failure, and also like, what does success mean for me? Mm -hmm. um, so that I can sort of be unbound by yeah. whatever is causing the discomfort that rejection brings. Yeah. And I think that's also something that's interesting in your field and what you do as a blogger, like the conversation of what rejection and failure can look like in those spaces and how that impacts what you do. But just to go into a little bio for Tone, he is a social media blogger with a strong sense of fashion and a style and passion for individuality from styling himself to styling other. He has an eye for putting together something out of nothing. Photography, modeling, and writing are all passions of his. So we wanted to have you come on and talk about how do you manage all of those things and basically like what what journey have you been on in this space as a blogger that is like encompasses so many things like I said you blog you also are on YouTube you also are on social media and you are somewhat an influencer so seeing how that all encompasses what you do and how you have to share yourself in those spaces and sometimes what is what's the risk and reward of sharing too much or not sharing enough so we're going to dive into that of course but of course we're going to do our black boy yep oh. before you do i just about that bio it was a very yes. elaborate way of saying that our guest today is that bitch okay, okay. just wanted to throw that in there so, you know, he sometimes he'd be like, ah, I don't want you to say it. No, we're, we brag. You know, we're going to do that. We're going to, yeah. you don't have to be humble on this show. I understand what your brand, I get it. You have to, yes. but girl, sometimes you just got to toot your own horn. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we're going to go into our Black Boy Joy Spotlight for this week. And our Black Boy Joy Spotlight for this week is Cospent. He is a professional hairstylist whose clientele list includes the likes of artists such as Cardi B and Kehlani. He has documented his work on his Instagram, which boasts over 110,000 followers. That is probably more at the time of me saying this. His account... Um, Actually, he serves as a band ambassador for OXG Beauty. He is the founder of Cospens Beauty, a beauty and lifestyle brand and that he founded in late 2019. And he also is a like beauty and luxury, uh, sorry, ooh, 
beauty and luxury guru as well. He's all about his skin. He's all about hair. He's all about fashion. So I really want to say shout out to Kyle Spence. First of all, I love his like styling and his hair. Like I just seen a post with, Ke uh, with Kelly Rowland and I was like, if I had the bundles, right? If I had the inches, you know, seeing a, a queer guy doing this job, like which we usually are mostly in those spaces of makeup and hair, which I'm mm -hmm. like, come on, give us our coins. Yes. But I wanted to uh, say shout out to Costins for that and keep serving that Black Boy Joy magic. I know that it is a challenge to be in this space, but girl, serve it up and do the best that you can. All right. So let's get into our hot topics for the week. And the first one I wanna talk about is this, since it is Pride Month, we know every time Pride Month comes around, there is this conversation of rainbow washing, you all know, um, that happens in the in corporate spaces, even around your friends or even in companies as well. So just to give you all a, a little bit of understanding of what rainbow, rainbow washing is, it is basically when the government, businesses, and sometimes family or friends slap a rainbow on top of something in June and do not actively work to support the LGBTQ plus communities. Um, it is something that is very performative as we all see, it is something that is really kind of like a slap in the face and it's something that to me, I always get offended by. It's like, y'all need to just do like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A never supports us in Chick-fil-A. They stay pretty consistent with that. <laughs> they stay Listen, Fuck them sissies on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and when we off on Sunday. Right. Did I skip so Saturday? <laughs> yeah, you probably, they, yeah, you probably skip Saturday, but they don't care. They like, we just don't care for y'all 25, even when we not open. We don't care for y'all. But I want to know you all's thoughts on this the conversation since it is June, uh, rainbow washing. What what do y'all thought? What do y'all how do y'all feel about the companies going on with this stuff? I feel like it definitely is something to be mindful of. I think that, you know, we live in a world where cash is king, of course, in every yeah. way, in every sense of the term. And I think that in this battle for equality and equity, sometimes the queer community gets mixed up in the, uh, I guess the the like capitalist vortex really, yeah. which is you know, if 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 they're gonna let us have a seat at the table, if they're gonna let us into the club, best believe they're gonna um, come up off of it in some way. Yeah, <laughs> and that is the way. That is one of the ways that they're profiting off of it. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that. Um, of course, equality and equity are very important, but I do believe that sometimes we should be more interested in just creating our own lane, coming up with new things for ourselves, yeah. like instead of trying to squeeze into these spaces that have been created already. Um, yes, it's important sometimes, but um, you know, I'm gonna use this as an example, and this is kind of like a tangent, but I'll make it quick. <laughs> um, like the, the, the marriage equality thing, right? Yeah. So historically we know marriage was, before it was romanticized, it was merely just about like family names and titles and really money, that's all it was about. Like it had nothing to do with love. Yeah. Right. And so writers came along and romanticized it. And so if we come all the way down the line now, it's like, okay, we fought so hard to get this. And is it really what we even wanted? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like most couples, right. I know a lot of couples that have been together for extremely long amounts of time and you know a marriage certificate for them doesn't signify really too much of anything yeah um and we see across the board divorce rates are up 
like crazy. Um, so it's like, yes, we fought so hard to get that, but I think that there are other things that are equally, if not more important um, as that, yeah. that we really could be fighting for. Um, and one of those things is to make sure that our culture is not being exploited once a month, every year. Mm -hmm. um, for the sake of rainbows and, you know, party floats and whatever else, you know, they, they used to entice us and bring us in and get our money. But um, yeah. That that's yearly setup that Target does. I do want to remind um, you guys that um, the legal part of marriage is the only real like valuable part for queer people um the liberties that are granted to people who um share marital status but short of that i do agree with you that in terms of validating our unions there have there it is so much more beneficial for us to create yeah. our own definitions of um union and all our own ways to validate that so i definitely agree with you about that um i'm pretty much like skeptical about anything a corporation does um i am under the yeah. belief like i know that we're trying to find ways that we can fit into capitalism but um there's this little part of me that says that even as we try to like accommodate or adjust to the like social movement that is happening right now yeah that there's always going to be this little space that just doesn't quite work or welcome us um work for or welcome us so um I don't know. Like I, I see people doing this and there are always people are arguing like, oh, this community like or this organization or this company really means it. And there's no real way to tell, you know, like motherfuckers is just slapping these anywhere. Some people have had them around all year, <laughs> but people know if yeah. I got this thing here, gay people are likely to come and support. Uh, he ain't come and support my business. <laughs> come. Yeah. I, I think my thing about it is like it, it just to me is like do the do that work before the month happens like at least like try to put things in place throughout the month or just like really emphasize like I just don't like when it's like thrown in your face right I think if your corporation or your company like posts like have queer people queer couples in your uh, media and your marketing perfectly fine if you use pronouns that are correct or if you you know use different tactics that is not so like in your face I think that's my issue with when companies or when people try to, or yeah, organizations just try to force things down your throat. Like, look y'all, we have these black people, like, look, like, you know, we have these, these queer couple, like, no, like just implement it into what is already normal. Then you won't have to just give us the month, right? You would already, I mean, you, you can highlight what you've already incorporated, but when you've never incorporated it and then all of a sudden just coming out of nowhere with, yes, mama, slay, like, girl, you, you watch one episode of Drag Race and you think that is the whole community. And it is not, I just wish you just would implement these things into your regular programming and not just for a month. That's yeah. all I want. Just keep it. If you don't even like us, just don't even put us in it. Like just don't put us in the space, period. Yeah, I don't think like, I don't think people know what the work looks like. Like I don't think people, even if you're not a corporation who can like have um, a larger impact, uh, the simple act of like, if you're dating someone and you have are friends with people or people in your family are queer, not allowing space for them to be homophobic or transphobic yeah. or anything like that, like really showing up as an ally in various spaces and dedicating your resources when you can to people who are queer. Um, there's so much work that can be done on a smaller scale that people don't realize is a part of showing up and being an ally for um, queer people. Yeah. So, I mean, keep, I know they're going to keep doing it this month, but just please, and when this month is up, incorporate it into your regular schedule programming. Like, don't just forget about us after. 
So moving on, um, so recently Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open due to depression and anxiety. And some people are quite upset about that, um, which I wanted to know you all thoughts, thoughts on her announcing that, you know, mental health and anxiety. Cause I think the issue was happening was like, they wanted her to, after she would play, she would have to do press conferences and she really wasn't up for it afterwards. And her emotions would be all over the place. And, and a lot of people were like, you're supposed to do this as an athlete. You know, you need to do this right after. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it because of my anxiety and depression. And a lot of people are just like, I think she got fined as well. I heard that she got fined for like not doing a post conversation. I wanted to know you all's thoughts on us starting to her her opening up the not her opening up but like her beginning this conversation of like anxiety and depression and the the uh, impact of how our bodies are presented and marketed for other people's exploitation in that space. This is the work that I value. This is the this is the type of conversation that I look for us to have around mental health because we always talk about how it just affects us, right? But we never talk about how to incorporate that in our day-to-day and most importantly in the thing that we do for the majority of our for a large day, uh, part of our day um from Monday to Friday or whatever days we're working. Um Naomi Osaka is a very hardworking individual. Um we watched her do what she does very well. Um, so I don't think it would be fair to say that by sitting out on something that does exacerbate her depression and anxiety, that that is like indicative of her work ethic. And I think that's a conversation we need to be having on a larger scale that opting out of something that destroys your mental health is not indicative of your work ethic. I'm really proud of her for making that decision because it will, I'm hoping that it will transform how we view people whose work is affected by whatever mental illness they are um, managing. Because there's there's space to give people to do their job, to do it well, and then also honor them protecting themselves or just like really honoring uh, the best way to manage whatever they're dealing with. Yeah, I just was like, I was shocked about it because I've like, I feel like Serena Williams also has wanted to just like not do these things. Yeah. And I also see, I also want to talk about like, I feel like athletes, like male athletes specifically don't do them, right? You know, I feel like they walk away or go into them things, like going to them film for. So you see that they don't want to do it, but they have to do it because they are made to like do it. And I'm just like, why? Like, why, like, why do you have to do this, right? Like, why is it the, like, if I don't want to do it, if I literally just lost and I don't want to sit and talk about my defeat, like, why do I have to sit there, right? Like, why, what is the importance of that? And why specifically, like, do I have to do it? Like, I can, like, what is Or like, this? when can I stop it? Like, even if I'd started, like, at what point am I able to be like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this and I don't want to yeah. answer any more questions. At what point do I get control over how long I sit through this thing? Yeah. And to be, I guess you don't have control. <laughs> I guess you don't, which I was like, wow. So shout out to Na- Naomi Osaka. Sorry, my tongue, I'm tongue twat. Hi, Naomi Osaka for. <laughs> Definitely. Y'all, listen, listen, I literally just got done from a workout. Like I am, I'm tired, y'all, but I am pushing through. I am working, all right? A shout out to her for standing her ground and addressing this conversation of mental health and depression in the space that we often don't hear a lot about. So I want to say shout out to her and all of that. And then last but not least, I'm going to talk about this man real quick. So Kevin Hart wants to change the stereotype of Black fathers on screen. Um, he quotes that most of the times they're on drugs, off drugs, in jail, and out of jail. And he feels like he is 
he wants to change that narrative because he's also in a, a new movie coming out about a um, mother who I believe passed away and he's starting to take on the role in this new fatherhood um, space. So I wanted to know y'all thoughts about Kevin Hart's statement saying he wants to change the stereotype. If he, you know, if y'all feel like he has that ability, if y'all don't want to talk about that, y'all don't have to, but just wanted to know y'all thoughts about that. Oh, would you like to go? <laughs> um, he was like, he's about to be say something quick. Uh, I, I don't really speak to. I try not to speak too much about this particular person in general because he does not have the best track record with, not with a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, or women. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. Women respecting. <laughs> he just doesn't have the the best track record in a lot of different situations. So, uh, you know, if he feels the need if he feels that he has the 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 range or the <laughs> willpower to change the stereotype then by all means go for it uh i don't necessarily feel as though from the media that i consume that black fathers are overly portrayed in that way mm-hmm. i think if anything they're overly portrayed as absent sometimes right I, when i do see black fathers on screen i don't necessarily no. feel like i see them portrayed as in that of jail or the other things that were listed yeah so for me um i and i agree with you they, it is a lot more absenteeism than there are um is like drug usage i see the <laughs> yeah i was like part, though, but i'm not accustomed 90s? to like <laughs> right. absent parents absent fathers because of drugs that's a that's mostly a woman thing they do a lot of portrayal mm-hmm. of black mothers as drug abusers or drug yes. um addicts um so I support this. I agree that the uh, portrayal of Black, I think men in general needs to change. Um, there's a couple things that I would want to see. I'm interested in him as well as other um, Black male actors who have the power to tell stories, changing that. Um, but I want to point out that Bernie Mac and uh, Master P both have productions or show at a show or movie where they are pay- taking care of children um, and yeah. they're fostering this really beautiful, right, like beautiful relationship with girls and with boys. Um, so those things exist. They just don't exist in the right number. Um, as a person who has looked at and applied for things, um, submitted application, excuse me, submitted uh, my resume and headshot for different roles, I think we're still stuck in this like portrayal of black men as people who sell drugs, um, as thugs, people in the streets. And I'd just like to see more complex stories of black men um, and then by extension, black fathers. Um, I, I'm not sure that he has the range, but I'm totally willing to watch him try. I feel, like, I feel like with him, it'd be something in a comedic way. And I'm like, when you talking about it, you're still going to make a joke of it. So I'm like, I don't know. Okay. What- I think that's okay. I think it is okay for that to come in the form of drama, of comedy, because at the end of the day, like the stories are going to be told. Um, But he's got an audience. You know, the black people, black people love Kevin Hart. Should I do that? Yeah. (laughs) Black queer people don't, black queer people don't, but niggas love Kevin Hart. The The last show he did when he was in, I think his house, I did not like. I watched it with my family, and it was like, this is so corny. It was so. We don't like him. I know. I think I was just like, I was just, your storytelling is like kind of trash. So I'm just um, like, 
you know, there's a lot of people who are trash storytellers and niggas love them. I mean, it just is what it is. And I definitely think if that's what he wants to do, I definitely support it. I just don't know that I am going to be impressed. Um, But if it gets the rest of the people on board, then have a habit chair. True. Well, let's get to why we are here, ladies and gentlemen and everybody. In between, uh, Tone, we have you in the building with us. Thank you for coming in. I know we um, have done this before, but like really you stepping in and being a part, I really appreciate you also talking about your experiences and everything that you're doing right now. I really, really appreciate. So the first thing I want to talk about is since the pandemic is starting to like lift, right? And we are starting to slowly but surely come out of this isolation. I want you to think back to when the pandemic started. How was that for you? with your content? Like, what was that? Was there any dilemmas or challenges for you when we all had to go on lockdown? Yeah, so when the pandemic started, I was depressed, (laughs) like most other people. Um, I was really just sad. I kind of thrive off uh, human interaction. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, my fitness routine regimen, things like that, you know, the gym was closed and... um, (laughs) my just interactions with even people at work just people were eliminated yeah and um i was also you know taking care of my elderly grandfather at the time and so it just it it was very difficult and uh right around maybe a couple weeks after quarantine began i tried to refocus some of that energy uh into my content and so i was making videos on my youtube channel they were becoming kind of popular at the time uh, in which I would just kind of sit in front of a little backdrop and just, you know, shoot the breeze, talk stuff or whatever. And people actually began to like it. Um, and that was cool for me because a lot of those, really most all of my content is not written out of plan. It's kind of just yeah. me talking, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was cool that that people were able to connect and relate, I think, mostly because they were also all sitting at home in their houses as well. So uh, it was nice to be able to give people something to kind of laugh at, people, uh, something to kind of watch and, and connect to during that time. And, uh, you know, you know, I can make a joke out of anything. So <laughs> like, it, it, it was cool, it was cool. Um, yeah. And then of course, you know, COVID and quarantine had, had its stages and its cycles of, I think, you know, people finding ways to occupy their time and themselves and feeling good and liberated in their, you know, solitude. And then it kind of cycles around yeah. to, okay, I'm kind of sad again. I'm kind of restless again. And then it cycles back around to, okay, like I'm, I'm figuring out things to do. So of course I went through the, those cycles several times. Um, and now I think I'm kind of on the other side of that timeline. And again, really trying to figure out how to uh, put anything I'm feeling, whether it be good or bad, into my art. I think one thing that is like very unique about your content is, like you said, you don't have to have a script and you don't have to have anything planned out for you to put out really productive content. I think that is the strength that you have with what you put put out for your audience and your listeners or your viewers is that you are authentically you and everything that you put out. And that is what I think brings people in. Thank the you. fact that you don't have to like, I wish I could just like sit down and be like, girl, <laughs> yeah, girl I'm gonna shoot the shit. What is, what is it, shoot the shit? Shoot the, yeah, shoot, shoot, the girl, yeah. shoot the shit. And I was like, hold on, wait, wait, no, I can't do that. <laughs> so the fact that you are able to do that and still like be you and 
all of those things. I think that's really dope. I Thank think that you. is like something that like a lot of us need to see in these spaces. Thank you so much. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> come on. And I want to also go into the article that is really the start of this conversation is sharing your favorites. And I want to specifically talk about also the conversation of sharing you. Yeah. So like I, like I said earlier, you are a blogger. You also have a social media following and you're an influencer and you're also a YouTuber. And you specifically talked about this conversation of sometimes wanting to, the challenge of sometimes wanting to keep things uniquely special to you and not wanting it to lose its value and the importance of what that means to you. So I want us to talk about that, have that conversation as a collective, but I want you to first talk about your experience, your thoughts behind what made you write that and also your experiences with keeping those things so treasured to you and the conversation of having those things come out. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I am very, very passionate about uh, things that are if you have something that's a favorite of yours, something that's specific to you, whether it be, I don't know, a coffee shop, yeah. a store you like going to, your favorite album that came out in the 70s, your favorite uh, nook and cranny antique store, your favorite whatever. I'm very passionate about those things because I believe that um, our individualities and the things that we individually take a liking to are so interesting. Yeah. You know, down to this morning, we had breakfast and I made some jalapeno <laughs> Man, listen, i made some jalapeno turkey sausage and i love it and, and i was so surprised because devery hated it and that like that's such that's on such a small minuscule scale but something like that something that i love he absolutely dislikes yeah so i think that when we do find things as individuals that we really are passionate about that we really like not turkey sausage of course but other things <laughs> it's important yeah maybe it's important to like hold on to them and cherish them because you found that and you yeah. found it to be interesting for yourself. So that's one of the things that made me um, write that post. And furthermore, you know, I'll be candid. Um, I, I had a friend and um, I had gotten really close with this friend. I thought this friend was gonna be someone that was gonna be around for a long time. And I connected with this person so much that I began to share some of my absolute favorite things with them, things that I really had never showed anyone. And by favorite things, I mean like one of my favorite stores here in the city that I live in. I love to go antique shopping. Um, some of my favorite music, music that I really haven't shared with anyone else. Um, you know, just small things like that, that have become a part of me, essentially. Uh, I took a liking to this individual so much that I began to share some of those things with them. And unfortunately, like the story goes, this person turned out not to be a forever friend, but more so a temporary friend, a karmic mm -hmm. relationship. And I realized that some of my favorite things were no longer just my favorite things. They were that person's favorite things as well. And I no longer had the same ownership to them. And I had to be comfortable with possibly going to that favorite store and bumping into this person or knowing that this person could share the music that I shared with them. And, you know, someone else could think, wow, like how cool of you to share this with me. How did you find out about this? And wonder what would they say? Would they list me as, as you know, part of their story or part of their journey? Would they act like they found it themselves? Would they act like they found this store themselves? Would they, would they you know, I, I realized that sharing your favorites is a very intimate thing. Yeah. Of course, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary to gatekeep music and 
in stores. But um, on a larger scale, I think that we should really be cognizant of how intimate it is to share some of your favorite things with people and to make sure that they're the right people you want to share them with. Because if not, then you have to be comfortable with bumping into this person at your favorite corner store coffee shop that no one ever goes to. You have to be comfortable Mm -hmm. with, you know, um, seeing this person at your favorite store or um, at the same concert, perhaps, to an artist that you turn them on to. And um, for me, that's kind of what drove me to write that article. And I actually have another project that kind of centers around that topic coming out soon. But um, I just think that, you know, especially with being visible online, like we all are, uh, (laughs) some things are better kept to yourself. And I would hope that some of those things are your favorite things. Like, you know, I I can't even think of anything off the top of my head right now, but I'm I sure think, you, we, I, yeah, like, yeah. What's something that's yeah. like your absolute favorite? Ah, I think, well, De- Devin, were you going to say something first before? Well, I wanted to say that what you described sounds like a welcome that turned into something more of like an invasion. So that was really, it was yes. a profound experience. I, I could, like, when I imagined it, I was like, you welcome someone into your space and you think this is really going to be something beautiful. And then when things turn sour, it is almost like, why are you here? Like, nobody's nobody's supposed to be here i also i mean i definitely agree with that i think i have the issue with that is that the thing no more no longer becomes special anymore yeah. because it is tainted by this thought that like oh like i introduced like an ex to this like uh band or this person and my also my pet peeve is when i introduce you to somebody that i'm really close with mm-hmm. and y'all become best friends exactly. and then i'm just like bitch on the outside of the <laughs> And also, the thing of like, for example, if it's music, like a yeah. band, now every time you hear that band or you yeah. hear that song, Oof. you have to think of that person. You yeah. have to think of that situation that you shared. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's. It, I think it also goes back into maybe how we can reshape those things to make them special or make those things like, okay, like how do we reshape that thing to make it magical if you do not want to give it up? That's right. Um, when it comes to people, I think that's a really tough conversation. It's like, if you have a friend that, um, cause I treat my friends as some, they are special and I don't want to share them with everybody. I think the, the first time I had all of y'all together, I think at my birthday, like I had all my friends together was the first time that everybody knew who each other was. And to me, that is important to understand the friendships that I have and to cherish some of those and to you know, trust and understand that some people can, you know, be venture off and not be selfish. Cause I, I can be selfish sometimes, but just like think about like, the dynamics that that can have and understand like how you can really envision that thing still having this unique thing to it. But then with relationships, some people just gotta, like if the person don't want to, like if I stop talking to this person and you still want to be friends with them, that makes you think about like our relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> that makes me think about that. Um, also want to think about like when you hold on to things and people start to feel like, oh, you're like, trying to like not inform everybody about this or like you know about I think one petty thing is like when somebody asks me like where'd you get your shirt right sometimes I'm like girl I don't want all y'all wearing the same shirt I don't want everybody rocking the same thing and then I try to hold it in and people are like oh you know you, you, petty, you that's you a touchy mean, subject that's a touchy subject let's I, get into yeah, it yeah I feel like I feel like to some degree, sometimes that can be a little bit of petty, but we're Aries, so yes. we're petty by nature sometimes. Uh, Thank you for but I also, it. Yeah. I also think that, um, you know, 
it comes down to what things are necessarily important to you. To yeah. someone else, clothes may not even matter that much. So they may not, right. they may view that as that's dumb. Why would you just not tell me where you got it from? But just someone right. who, you know, getting dressed every morning is a ritual for them. Yeah. And it, and and style and fashion is like quite literally ingrained into the pieces of who they are and how they show up in the world every day. It's extremely important. And, you know, maybe that individual is not going to want to share with everyone where they got yeah. a specific shirt from, because for them, they had to hunt to find it. And for them, it's unique. And there's so many details that are behind just the shirt. So I think that it goes deeper than just, oh, dang, you don't want to tell me you got your shirt from, or you don't want to tell me, you know, what this and what that is. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I found these specific things to be important to me through searching for them and, and finding them and, yeah. and journeying with them. And so I would encourage other people to do the same. And if it's, if we're going to use that as an example, Bro, go find your own shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, find find something, find find a shirt that's cute. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think that that's a very nuanced thing because I I, I can see both ends yeah. of that. Yeah. No, you go ahead. Oh, I just think about the pettiness of it and I understand like that 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 conversation of like holding on to things can be something that is petty. But again, like when certain things are special to you, like it, it's just hard to let to give to not let go, but to let everybody in and i think my personal issues is when things become mainstream it does it's not able to be cherished which for example was still an artist right like i doja cat i love doja cat and yeah. i think everybody point 14 in this motherfucker everybody deserved to get a taste of doja i understand that but i think like when Do doja becomes like un like like I can't reach her anymore, or mm. I can't like grasp her like I used to. I think that like ah, you become more marketable. Oh, you're so mainstream now. You can't like be honest and vulnerable because now you have to go down this like path of like a business. Yeah. Okay. So some people. So I think there's a two part to that because some people argue that if you um feel that way when your artist goes mainstream, um, then do you really support them because now they're going to be winning in a different way. But I do think that once an artist does go mainstream, the sound kind of changes and not so much in the way like a natural growth and progression, but sometimes it sounds like it's not true to nature. Mm -hmm. um, one thing about Doja I appreciate though, is that she just like her flow that hasn't changed. She's still talking about the same stupid shit. Like Doja <laughs> is still very much the person she yeah. was in 2014. She's just not making Zan music anymore. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but still, I'm just like, when I but see I like local you. artists, yeah, when I see like the artists that I've like, I'm proud that they make it. But like, I hope that like some of them just feel like they don't have to. Like, I've the, what happened with Frank Ocean? Like, I just am so bothered by like the Frank Oceans of like what's happening in the world. Like somebody I cherish or somebody I'm like, I feel like it's so dope now is like not putting out music consistently or just like whatever. So. And has that been as an aversion to mainstream? Is that why he's doing that? I think it's the, I think it's like the fear like, I think Summer Walker is doing that too. I think she, like, that was Ooh. an example of Summer Walker when, like, she had, like, she was just, she became successful. And then all of a sudden, like, I think it became too overwhelming. Because I remember she had a concert. She had, like, a tour and then, like, canceled it because of her anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. um, but just, like, really, like, she just wanted to sing, right? She just wanted to put, she just wanted to be a singer and she had to be thrown into all these other things that happened. I think that to, to be a mainstream artist in any facet of, in any lane, you know, when you're when you two when your podcast blows up, there's gonna be excuse my language Girl. shit. Like there's gonna be some people that go back and listen to all your old episodes and pick through things yeah. to try like that. Look they at the read, for example. Too. They took they took such a long break because yeah. they got used up. 
Like artists, singers get used up, writers get yeah. used up, um, photographers get used up. And I think that to really be an artist and to, and to be mainstream, you have to have a certain level of like mental toughness. Like you, you have to have this level of, of, you know, solidarity in yourself and knowing exactly who you are when you began and exactly who you're going to be when everything is over. Yeah. And if you don't, then I, I, I do think there artists are more, not necessarily Frank Ocean, Summer Walker, but um, <laughs> I do think artists are more susceptible to, you know, getting, getting used up because I do yeah. think there's other artists that we could use as examples that we know. Like Doja Cat. I mean, yeah. she's only been in it for a little while as far as mainstream, but artists where they were who they were when they started and they are who they are now, and we know they are, they're gonna be who they're gonna be 10 years down the road, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because they have that level of like grit, like I'm like nothing's changing, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I don't know. Doge upon Doge, man. <laughs> Doge is. Do you feel like that is something that happens in your type of field as well, with you being an influencer and a blogger, like constantly feeling like you know you're gonna you're blowing up, you're getting more traction, getting more people listening and viewing and all of the just seeing who you are. Do you feel like there's moments when you feel like you're getting pulled in so many directions that you're contemplating the content that you're putting out, or do you feel like that has that you 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 are grounded mm-hmm. right now? Um, I definitely think that I felt like that at times. Uh I will say that in comparison to other content creators that people might compare me to. Yeah. Uh, I, my, my growth hasn't been as fast. My, uh, I guess I haven't taken off yet, if that's the word you want to use. And sometimes that does cause me to kind of look at, at at what I'm creating and think, okay, should I be doing something different? Should I be doing something more? Should I be messy? Should I be in some kind of scandal? Should I be arguing people online? Should I be posting nudes? Like, what should I be doing? Like, what's happening? Because I feel like I'm trying and it's not really working. But the rational part of me says, Mm -hmm. you don't want this uh, growth cycle to be too fast. Mm -hmm. Because we all see that there are a lot of content creators on the internet that get used up. Yeah. Wait, like we can talk about Miss Gorilla Group, for example. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do not want to be the influencer, the YouTuber, the, of the week. writer that came and went. Yeah. yeah. Or, a I, month. I don't want to, or the month. Yeah. So, you know, if it, if it does take me a little bit longer, uh, but I'm putting out quality content in the process, then I'm pretty sure that I'm okay with that. I resonate uh, with that. Yeah. Go I ahead, think. No, I, I think whenever I, because this is something that I keep coming on to, the people will have conversations with me about like, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Or why don't you do that? When it comes to like social media, because we can, we've seen people yeah. on social media gain quick traction and then be put on in a certain way. And I often say I'm looking for longevity. So I'm looking for the path that in my brain says, oh, this is going to make, make sure that I, I'm here to stay. Yeah. I'm not interested in anything quick and unsustainable. So I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. The question becomes, how do you, um, how do you make yourself marketable and still stay true to self so that you are still, you know, um, gaining that longevity, but you're still actually like gaining the traction at a reasonable speed? I think that's interesting too, because like you being black, black and queer, like your demographic, you some you like people gravitate towards you out of your control because of who you are naturally, and then some people don't gravitate towards you because of who you are naturally, and it's like 
like how do I merge those two together where people get to know who I am and not, you know, based it on my queerness mm-hmm. or my me being black, which first of all, they need to, they need to take who you are in yeah. as a person, but like really be able to understand that this content that I'm talking about is not just for sometimes it is some, you know, not just for a specific demographic, but it is for everybody. Like this conversation of like sharing or vulnerability. I know we talked about, uh, you posted today, um, talking about like you being the last person picked that you really picking yourself. That's not just for like queer people, right? That is for people that have like, that are shy, people that have like, you know, um, self-esteem. Like, I think it's like really take tearing away all these things that people feel like are, mm, this is, I can't really vibe with that because of this. And I can't really vibe with that because of that, instead of being like, what is, what is being presented? And can I, like, how do I originally feel when this person is telling me that? I think that's always something I'm like, girl, this person is talented. Why are they not out here? Right? Like, why are they not yeah. on the same level as no shade, these white girls that out here ain't doing it for real for me. Like, so why? Many of them. There's so <laughs> many of them. I turn around and I'm seeing the same concept from these people. And I'm like, I want to see it from people that look like me as well. Like if y'all going to put it out here, at least have a Latino doing a Latinx person doing it, like a queer person talking about it, not like five white girls talking about depression. (laughs) This is why it's important for things like Slay TV to exist too, though, so that there um, are more spaces for us to, and I I don't know, I don't know how to get content on Slay TV, but um, I'm sure I could find out. But, like, the more spaces there are for us to put those things up, the more uh, widespread I think our stories will be eventually. Um, And I guess just, like, you really got to get in where you fit in and not try to, like, I've heard this, so I've been saying it since I heard it, but not try to fit a freaking square in a circle. Um, Like, just, like, it's not going to work. It's not going to, those edges are not going to go through. Yeah, definitely. Is there specific, I, I know I have all these questions for my sis, you know, <laughs> but is there specific, uh, I know you, like I said, like I talked about your blog, social media, um, and YouTube. Is there a specific space that you prefer to lean more into when it comes to like your content? I think I would say no. I would say no because I'm comfortable in a lot of different mediums and I am a strong believer in the idea that true creatives can kind of move seamlessly across different yeah. different planes or genres, if you will. Of course, some of them might be better than others, <laughs> depending on who the audience is. Uh, but I do think that people who are, you know, creative at the core can kind of just like move and navigate. And that's why you see a lot of people, you know, who are maybe starting off doing one thing and then you look up next thing and they're doing music and, or, you know, they started off doing music and then you look up and then doing photography and then you have those people that have those opinions like, oh, well, like everybody's doing music now. Or why why is this this person doing music? Why is this person taking pictures? Or why is this person trying to release clothes? And, you know, of course, some of that is bullshit, (laughs) but, some of it is, well, these people are doing that because they're creative. Yeah, they're they're yeah. creatives. They're actually creatives. They're not people who are on social media purpose as creatives just because it's cool. Like they're yeah. really creative. So like they're really trying to like run and, and get these ideas out their head as they're coming. That's and it. Yeah. Cool. If that's music or if that's photography or if that's writing or if that's acting, if that's podcasting, if that's whatever, yeah. then that's what it is because people like who are really movie. creative are getting ideas like by the second and it takes a lot to actually enact them and bring them to life so I'm never going to hate on anybody that's doing that or that's switching lanes and I think that I'm someone who definitely 
is switching lanes and switches lanes. But for now, the lanes that I switch back and forth between are, of course, YouTube and of course, writing on my blog. I think that YouTube is easy for me in the sense that uh, as long as, you know, my mental is good and I'm feeling good. When I'm in front of the camera, I feel good. I feel good. I feel natural. I feel like I'm talking to a friend and I love to go back and edit through my clips and, you know, cut things up and, and put them together in a way that is not only cinematic, but is, but that is palatable to the audience that I'm trying to reach. And in terms of writing, uh, I'm comfortable in that space because I've always loved writing from the time I was a little kid. My mom used to make my siblings and I keep journals, Mm. uh, you know, I entered writing competitions in like third, fourth, and fifth grade. I've always liked to write poetry. I always loved to read. I used to read a book, like a book a week when I was in like elementary and high school. Like I love writing. And I think that writing opposite from YouTube is a way that I can kind of be heard, but not seen. Uh, And sometimes I think that's necessary in order to get a certain message across uh, because of course, you know, people are gonna listen if I'm saying something, but when you take a pen to paper and when you actually type something out, for the people who have the interest level to actually yeah. go and seek that knowledge and read something, because we know people don't like to read anymore, but for the people who do like to read- They like to read, all right. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's really gonna hit them. And it's gonna, you know, I know for me, when I read other people's blogs, and if anyone who's seen this has a blog, please reach out to me because I am sick of people who call themselves bloggers but do not, are not actually writers. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I do come across some someone's blog and I read it, I look at them in a whole new light. Yeah. Like when I look at their their media or if I run into them in person, I look at them completely different because I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. you're the person that wrote this. Yeah. Like you wrote this. Like it just, I don't know, it, it, it shifts my view. It's funny because he just, um, I introduced him to like Basial. Basial like commented on one of his pictures. He was like, you know the Basial? And I was like, yes. And I was like, he was like, this is his content. Like I live. And I'm like, it's girl, great. yes, like connect, like whatever you like. Cause like, like, like when you like what you just said, Basial is one of those people that like writing is something that comes natural to him as well. And also like his his aesthetic is also like very eye engaging as well too. So I was like, yeah, I was like, connect that love that's him. funny. Love him. Um, but also I wanted to talk about, is there times when you have to, when sharing, when you have that, that, that conversation of sharing too much, you know, like, or is it, am I sharing enough or am I sharing too much? How do you figure out what you want your, listeners um and you I mean your viewers and your uh people that are reading to um gain from you or is there sometimes like that 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 tension that comes with that that space definitely uh i i would say that i know internally how much i'd like to share and how much i wouldn't i think that it's important to have uh again like i mentioned before to keep some things for yourself is because when we're living our lives online yeah. whether it be through a podcast or youtube or writer or people who do reality tv uh it's important to have some things for yourself at the end of the day yeah because uh if you give everything away even if you're telling absolutely everything and you're being absolutely transparent about every aspect of your life people are still not going to understand they're still going to perceive it uh in the way that they want to not in the way that it actually is so of course you know, that doesn't mean to lie or to, or to, to fib about anything. But for me, it does mean 
to kind of draw a line of distinction between, okay, what am I going to keep for myself and what am I going to share with others? And I'll use an example, like for my family, I keep my family mostly offline. Um, You don't really see them. People don't really see them. They're not on my uh, channel. They're not on my Instagram. Um, It doesn't mean I don't have family. It's everything on my family. I love my family. (laughs) You know, I love that. Some people ask that. Like I I had someone message me on Instagram one time and say, uh, post a picture of your mom or something like that. And I was like, why? Like, no. that's weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. like, it's, it's, that's, that's weird. And, um, you know, uh, friends, I don't post all of my, I have, I have some really good friends. Yeah. Um, some of them may appear on my Instagram and some of them may not. Um, but that doesn't invalidate the fact that I have friends. Uh, same thing with relationships and dating. Like, of course I date from time to time. I'm single right now. So if anybody's listening to me, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? That is, I don't, I don't, that's not something I choose to share right now. Um, even like, like we're talking about like our bodies. Every now and then I'll post a picture like on the beach in a yeah. railing swimsuit, but that is not the majority of my content by any means. And there's nothing wrong with men who that is the majority of their content. But for me, that is something that I prefer to keep more so private. Like, of course, sometimes when I'm feeling liberated in the skin I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'll share that. Yeah. But that's that's not the majority of my content so i do kind of go back and forth and decide what i want to keep for myself and what i want to share and nine times out of ten the things that i decide to share i share them because i feel like they're going to help somebody else yeah and and i share them because i so desperately wish that i could have saw someone talking about this same thing or saw someone that was writing about the same thing so that I could have not made that damn mistake or so that I could have, you know, saved myself some tears, anger, resentment, whatever. Yeah. And so because I didn't, I couldn't find anyone that was talking about that specific thing. That is the very reason why I do speak on certain things or I do share certain things that some people may look and be like, Oh, wow. He's actually talking about this. So, yeah. That's, I think that's crazy. helpful to hear um, because I think, um, I, and this is such a relevant topic for me too, because I, I've i shared things recently that um, I've been going back and forth about, like, should I have shared it? Is this something? And I keep coming back to this moment where I'm like, you know, one person told their story and that was helpful for me. And I think if more people of, diff- of varying backgrounds can start telling this story, then it it would unlock something for, for people. And I wanted to just very small thing um, about the body thing. There are people who, who do share their bodies a lot, but will never share like the inner workings of their mind or never share personal details about their lives. So we do pick and choose which thing we're going to be the most upfront and the most um, in uh, sharing about. Mm -hmm. But I think that with me, I'm just, my issues with that is like, um, I, I mean, not issues with that. I mean, I know it's marketable, like I know it's what people, it's it's the first thing people see, it's all that. And to me, I've tried to post my body and stuff and try to be that girl and I didn't get the same energy. So also that made me go into a conversation of like, I, this goes into a lot of things like sharing and all that, a sense of belonging, which also goes back into our conversation of um, last week as well. Like I've tried to be that girl as well. And I also didn't get the response that I wanted but then also like I realized people do gravitate towards my podcast or my platform so it's like interesting like you try to be something that may not be what you lean into but people don't rock with that but you have the strength of yours like the podcast or your creative mind that you're trying to put out but I'm like girl I want to reach everybody so I want to post a picture naked and then put an inspirational quote in the damn thing like bada bing bada boom but sometimes you have to understand what you give and what 
is being um, regurgitated. So I always think about that in I think too though that it's important to post what brings you joy like even though like we're posting um in the hopes that we get engagement we're posting for engagement that is a fact um I think it's still important to post things that make you happy right and if it doesn't necessarily get the engagement you want you shared it for a reason and you shared it in the and knowing that it would make you happy so if that's your number one goal I think um if people didn't engage with it I would just be like well fuck it but like, don't don't post things that don't make you happy for engagement. Yeah, for engagement. Yeah. Fair. I get that. I think I did that one time. I was just trying to be transparent. I think I did that because I was like, I don't want to post this, but I felt the urge a while ago. Yeah, Child, I love like, myself now. Like <laughs> back in the day, I would post whatever fuck I thought was going to grab, and nobody would bite the damn just just a bait. So I was like, fuck. So. <laughs> I get that now. I'm learning what my strengths are. And I think we talk about that all the time. Definitely. Yeah, trial and error. We definitely do that. Um, I also want to talk about your most recent episode that you posted on our YouTube channel, The Conversation of Hate Disguised as Love. Tell us a little bit more about what made you decide to start to talk about that on your... Actually, this is not the first time we've talked about that on your page. You really are like an advocate about trying to weed out the fakes in yes. your space. So I want to like talk about that in this space as well, but then also like what made you want to discuss that on your platform? And then also your experiences with seeing people come in and out of your space, because you do have a brand, you do have um, some influence in the, in the world of media and blogging and certain people coming in and coming out and going, what the, what? Yeah. Is this real or is this not? So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so I try and, I really try to, sorry, I got long legs, y'all. I really try to diversify my content on YouTube. So, I, you know, I'll try and post things that are, you know, more comical. I, I, I have book, book bangs, I do vlogs, and then I also do conversations that are more focused on life experiences, mental health, friendships, relationships, and things like that. And so when it comes down to that specific video, Hate Disguises Love, what drove me to make that video was... Um, the fact that it takes a lot to be comfortable with who you are and to be uh, completely accepting of of what you are, of how you are, and of your art, of the things you want to contribute to the world. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of trial and error. It takes a lot of failure. It takes a lot of falling down and getting up and brushing yourself off. And so I feel as though anyone who is not going to be you know who is not going to help your progress as far as that kind of that war goes with yourself of being comfortable with yourself and uncomfortable with your content anyone who is not pushing you forward um but instead keeping you complacent or pushing you backwards has got to go and i think that sometimes in our adult lives you know i always talk about how as kids you know, our friends are in large part due to our circumstances. Your yeah. only, your best friend is because you live up the street from them. Yeah. Your best friend is because that's who your mother goes to church with. Your best friend is because that's the school your parents decided to send you to, and that's just who you're with. All the way up until college, your best friend is your roommate because that's who you got roommated with. But when you're an adult and we're living out here in real life, friendship is a different ball game. Yeah, it, it, it has to be much more intentional. Um, and so, you know, it can be kind of hard to weed out people because, you know, you, you don't have 
their family behind them to vouch for them. You don't have the uh, school comfort zone to kind of gauge this person and know who and how they are. You only have what they show you. And sometimes people show you things in small glimpses, such small glimpses that you can't really make an actual decision about their character and the kind of person that they are until so many things, so many small glimpses have now added up and you're like, damn, I got got. And the perfect example of that is, you know, we all know what it's like to have that friend who they have good qualities, they have some redeeming qualities, but there's other things that sometimes leave you puzzled and you can't quite put a finger on it. Uh, Maybe they don't support you all the way. Maybe they don't, um, you know, ask and inquire about what your creative opportunities are, the things that you have going on, even though you inquire about theirs. Maybe they say little passive aggressive comments sometimes that you can't quite discern. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Until things have accumulated so much so that now you really realize, damn, this person is not my friend. This person does not mean me any good. This person that has, this is a person that has decided the only thing better than being a hater is being my friend. And (laughs) they've disguised themselves as my friend because of that very reason when in reality, this person didn't even like me. And, um, you know, I realized that a lot of people deal with that. I realized that I'm someone who's dealt with that. And, um, it can take a toll on you. So it's important for us to have discernment in the people that we're placing ourselves around. It's important for us to understand that, um, you know, solitude in some cases is better than just yeah. having bodies, flesh around. Um, and that is what kind of drove me to make that video. Of course, I've had my own personal experiences with people where I look up and I'm like, damn, like I'm expecting you to treat me and have the level of respect for me that I have for you when we aren't even built the same. Mm. We don't even have the same morals and values. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you don't even have the like uh, capacity to, to, to handle me with the kind of care that I'm handling you with. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a long winded answer, but <laughs> that is kind of what Joe made that video. No. I think I, I think that's like interesting too. Going into that conversation of sharing again is like with these people that you were trying to navigate um, and understand. Are they like how how is their friendship relationship with you? The understanding of being able to share with them and be vulnerable in that space of so your emotions and feelings and see how they react to that. I know I know I've talked to people about this and I've done this with certain people in the beginning. I've experimented with my vulnerability to see how they take it. And then my therapist told me not to do that and play fucking mind games. However, I feel like there needs to be some level that you learn what that person can do with that, like with with the information that they give you. Like will they be supportive? Will they run and tell somebody else? Will they ignore your 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 feelings? Or would they be like, you know, let's let's go, let's distract me. Let's go out and go turn up. You know, like I really try to engage that because I don't like sharing things like I, that are vulnerable and very serious to me with people that I don't know will be able to respond the way I need them to in that specific moment. Well, you know? what you're doing is gauging safety. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah. So my, my therapist and I talk about that a lot. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call it testing. Um, <laughs> I've said that until I was like, yeah. It, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to go against what your therapist is telling you. Yeah. Your relationship with yeah. your therapist is whatever it is. 
But that is, I think it is important that we give people small opportunities to show up for us. And then if they can't, then we recognize, okay, this is not an area this person excels in. This is not a capacity that they can um, be there for me in. So let me find someone else. That is, there's nothing wrong with gauging safety with any person that you intend to share space with. Yeah. I think I think the wording sometimes I was I need to just refrain from instead of like testing and trying experimenting. Yeah, don't keep doing that shit. Don't no, don't keep. <laughs> oh, okay, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them all the shit. You like, well, surprise, they ran away with it. They get what is that? Uh, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that that conversation of um, hate and disguise of love and all of those things. I think we see that like again, your content is something that not just one people one person can take in it is what what a lot of us have experienced. I do want to talk about like the the conversation of being in the moment, right? With you being a blogger and with you being um, on social media and YouTube, the moments of feeling like you have, do you ever have to like, there's moments where you have to capture everything? Do you feel like the pressure of like, let me bring out this camera real quick? Or do you like, how do you practice being in the moment um, when there are challenges, when there are times where you like, I feel like I have to like do this for my followers or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh- I have felt like that before. Yeah. Now I kind of just be like, forget it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, you know, I, I, there's been so many instances where there's so much content that was recorded that never made it up, that never made it to YouTube, that never, will, will probably never make it up. Um, simply for the fact of I decided this is something I want to keep to myself. Yeah. Or this is not something that I really feel that is even worthy to be shared because my attention wasn't wasn't on creating this content at the time it was recorded. My attention was on being present in the moment. And um, I don't want to give my, you know, online network and my family online anything less than my absolute best. And so, uh, you know, now there are times where, you know, I'm very intentional about, okay, I have this trip coming up or I have this event coming up. I know I'm going to block this. I know this is something that I want to devote my attention and effort to sharing with my network online uh and there are other times where you know something cannot it it could not have even come up yet but i know it's coming like a trip or whatever and i automatically know my head i'm not going to be blocking this trip i'm not going to be you know busting my butt to get pictures for instagram or content because i'm really just trying to enjoy myself like (laughs) niggas trying to kick back relax enjoy the breeze like so you know i definitely have felt like that before but i have no problem taking a break from instagram i've or or posting whatever Mm. i've I've taken long breaks before and right sometimes it's validating to take those breaks and know that you were missed know that that even if it's only one person know that someone you know noticed your absence and is excited for your return i had someone comment on my instagram post just the other day and I am not like a, I, I use it, when I refer to myself, I use the term like micro-influencer because I feel like I'm an influencer on like a small controlled scale. Girl, you get and, paid sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, there are people who have like 600 followers on Instagram that do influencer and get paid. Like, you know what I'm saying? More than I do. So, you know, really that, that doesn't matter. Your engagement, your reach is what matters. But, um, you know, after taking a break from posting, someone commented on one of my Instagram post and says something like have uh you know happy to see you're posting again i'm glad that you're posting again after that short break hope that was what you needed to be mm. and i was like damn like because i never made a post or anything saying i'm taking a break i just 
stopped posting for a little while. And mm-hmm. this particular person noticed that and discerned, hmm, he's probably taking a break because something might be going yeah. on and he might be trying to, you know, and I appreciated that. Even if I wasn't taking a break because something was going on, I still appreciated that because like we talked about earlier, feeling like you have to post consistently and, and keep up with this life cycle of social can eat you up. Even with podcasting, I know you guys took an extended break. Child, we take breaks. Because <laughs> it can be a lot. It can be a lot. And it, it can get to the point where you're no longer putting out your best. Yeah. And no one wants to be like that. Let's be clear here, okay? Like, the idea that we have to keep on, like, keep going is, it's silly. Everything that we consume, people take breaks. Our, our favorite shows go on hiatus from filming or whatever for a couple of weeks. You know, people take uh, vacations, even the shows that are on daily, right? Like, those people will be gone for a week or two, however long, because life happens. Because sometimes we need a goddamn break. Like that just is what it is. So I don't think we have to hold ourselves to this idea that we have to produce for people every single day because it's not, not possible. Yeah. I think that also like that goes into sharing, right? Like I don't have to share that I'm taking a break. Like I don't have to tell y'all people like I am taking a break because of my mental health or I need, I'm taking a break or not. Like I can just pause and be okay. I mean, of course, if you like are with a job and you need to like t- your money, you know, you need to pump, you know, <laughs> pump the brakes. Um, but like, I think that like we get so indulged in people's content that it's like, where are you at? I need more. I need you. But it's like that is exhausting to continuously have to pull out a camera and record. You know, stop and like write in this moment. Or sometimes we just need to be okay with keeping this to myself. Like you could have went on this bomb trip to like Bermuda. Why do I, I say Bermuda a lot, y'all? I don't know why I'm over here talking about the Bermuda Triangle, which I don't want to go. go. Girl, I don't think those people down here. If I went on a trip, you can come with me, girl. <laughs> I'm not going there. They think down here. Don't they die? People die everywhere. So. Everywhere, I know. But yeah, that's right, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, just like sometimes like you're taking these amazing trips that like people did not know you went on because like, I kept that to myself. Like I just needed to be enjoying what is being in front of me because always trying to record everything it's like girl are you living are you literally living are it's you really so hard to that? choose i don't know how you do it tone because i am a person i completely disconnect when i'm being present like i miss text messages and it is so second to nature for me to to hold something to record so i commend you for even being able to yeah experience things and then also it is a skill to bring people along with you while you experience Mm -hmm. things i am not accustomed to that and then it's also you don't post like certain things you you record but you just don't post yeah so it's like i will record this content for myself i record this content for members for myself so it's those people that record and don't post it and there's people that just don't post like they just don't record Mm -hmm. so i think that that is like something that is um very interesting. I think that is always important to remind ourselves of like the levels of sharing we have and what the boundaries we create for our um, viewers or listeners or audiences really depend on what we want you to see and what we want you to hear. And it's okay if I don't, you know, open up too much, you know, because that 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 safety like you we, like that you talked about, Devin, is really important in any space that you are in, because at the end of the day, like that safety can be ta- like damaged or tainted if you let the wrong people in. So like if you don't have your family on your page, that's perfectly fine. If you don't talk about your relationship and you just keep it strictly professional, um, that's fine. If you are someone that talks very personal but don't talk about your professional, it just you know create those parameters that 
allow for you to feel comfortable and let your safety not be, you know, dabbled in and all that. So I really Absolutely. just want, you know, I appreciate this conversation. Lastly, first of all, so you're a lot of people that comment on your profile, um, majority are women who like love you and see you as their like best friend. Like how, how does that impact or how you like move through your social media? Cause I, every time I see them, like it's so many women, like you're my best friend. I wish my son could like see somebody like you or I wish that like I, my best friend could, you know, see you or something like that. How does that like make you feel when you see these people looking at you as their best friend? First of all, women, specifically women of color, have, I mean, we all know the, the part that the girls play <laughs> the girls in our lives. Play. You know what I'm saying? From the being, yes, yeah, so right, the girls, not the girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for, yeah, from being like kids and having them stick up for us at recess, you know, and, you know, sitting at the lunch table with all the girls and in school. And, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's beautiful to see that role that they played back then kind of circle back around and somehow there's has still found a way to support us you know yeah. what i'm saying um it's some when i when because i i do get those comments a lot of you're my best friend in my head or yeah you're, i wish i could be i wish we were friends or can we be friends i've, I've even had women message me like can we be friends and sometimes <laughs> like that makes me like I'm, i mean because i'm like what am i supposed to say bro? you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> hey you know like we we, you, we don't know each other we're i could be an axe murderer you know, what would you say for you don't you don't know whether your husband you're axe murderer or a child molester because you will know you know myself medium-sized pizza since you got a kid so you know what i'm saying you don't we don't know of course i am who i am in real life and offline, but um, I take it as love now because that's really what it is, is love. Of course, I don't think in their mind, they really think that I'm about to respond like, yes, let's be best friends. And that's what's about to happen. But I take it as love because that's really what it is. You know, black women are extraordinary in their ability to just love unconditionally by the definition of the term. A lot of people use the word unconditional, but don't really mean that shit. But black women, when they say that, like they mean that, like they really love unconditionally and the way that they, you know, a lot of times are able to embrace black gay men is the very reason why we're able to persist, mm-hmm. you know, why we're able to keep going. Um, and so it is an honor to have a majority of my supporters at this time be women um, because who around the world? Girls, okay? I know so, that's the fuck right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel any kind of way about that. Um, so I, I thought in the past, like, okay, does that mean I should kind of cater my content towards them moving forward? But no, it doesn't. It means that I should just keep doing what I'm doing. They also like and you for yeah, your content. That is, that is it. Yeah, they like me for what I'm doing. Um, and I so, 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 so appreciate that. A lot of the women that I've been able to connect with through Instagram, whether they found my page or saw a video or something, are stellar women uh, mm-hmm. that 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 I'm, you know, able to connect with. There's a, there's a woman by the name of I think her name is Kelly B. It's me, Kelly B. Um, I could be messing that up, but she's an influencer. Um, there's another woman by the name of Danielle Young who has a fabulous uh, Facebook show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's, her, she's amazing. Uh, the woman, her name is Robin. She does the Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. Robin um, Thede. Yeah, Robin Thede. I've been able to connect with her on Instagram. Like, there are phenomenal women yeah. um, that just show so much love and support on Instagram. And honestly, a lot of it is what keeps me going because sometimes 
y'all know as well as I do, it can be discouraging when you're posting your content and the numbers aren't looking right, or you're yeah. posting your content and it's not giving the shares and the yeah. and the engagement and the involvement that that you think is going to take you to the next level. But when I get those reaffirming and those positive comments from women, yeah. it is just like you know what keep going like you're, you're someone's gonna someone's gonna see it like someone is seeing it and all you need to do is just keep going until that someone sees it so yeah. um you know i always have love for the girls so shout out to the girls i see y'all you know what it is um and yeah <laughs> i think about with like even with like david just giving us feedback and like sending us the voice memo of his thoughts okay. and opinions about it is like really dope it's like we got people that like really take the time out and like like nurture. talking with themselves and like really nurture us and tell us their feedback or their honest input. I think that as well, because there's moments like we talk about this a bajillion times in myself. I'm like, it's, it's people, are people listening? Are people, you know, regurgitating? I, we, I might comment on something, I might post something nobody, you know, likes and all that stuff like that. But it's like, it really is about if you create content and be consistent or create something that people love, regardless of what is happening, it will, um, and we'll get that and we'll get the response that is needed. It just takes time. So we know that yeah. intention does help. We know that um, setting intentions uh, definitely means that you'll, you're more likely to create something that resonates um, because that's what it was designed to do. It was. But Tone, yes. <laughs> thank you so much for being a part. Do you have like, you got any questions before we wrap this thing up? No, I, I really want to thank you uh, for for sharing space with us. I know that you guys had done your solo ep um, episode that uh, yeah. I think it was like two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I was so glad to sit and talk with you because the last time I saw you, we did not get an opportunity to talk. And it was planned. It just was like so many things. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. I'm coming, I'm coming back to DC before the summer's over so that we the girls the girls can like do our thing like we need to do our thing. So yes, we're gonna please. have our time. Yes, yes please. Time. Yeah. So that's I yeah, like I said, I appreciate you being um vulnerable and honest. And I wish nothing but the best in everything that you do. I am your number one cheerleader. You know that yeah. I support everything that you do. I will drop everything like my sis is doing this, doing that. So I really appreciate that. So what is your social media, your platforms that you want to promote yes. so that people can uh, indulge in this bomb-ass content? Absolutely. So um, my uh, Instagram is Tone Classic. Twitter Tone Classic as well, although I'm not as active on Twitter, but Instagram is where I do a lot of my posting and promoting. Um, also check out my YouTube, which is Tone Classic as well. And last but not least, please check out my website where I post my blog and some of my photography and like archives type things, uh, which is www.toneclassic.org. Um, Beautiful website. Those are my social handles. Thank you so yeah, much. She's, girl, she has, she's a jack of all trades, okay? She's yes. a, and she's a master of all. You know, super oh Jack of all trades, master of none. No, she's a master of all. Thank you. And that, like we always tell you all, you can follow us on our Instagram and Twitters as well. As well, you can hit me up on my Instagram and Twitter at underscore Lord Every. That is underscore L O R D E V R Y. You guys know that you can find me on Instagram at Derwin King. That's D E R W I N K I N G, and on Twitter at Free Negro. That's F R E E N E G R E A U X. 
And you yes. all can continue the conversation on our podcast platform and on uh, Instagram and Twitter at that black boy joy. And you also can write in, or if you would like to be a guest, you can write into our Gmail at that black boy joy podcast at gmail.com. Please write in, give us your comments, your feedback, all of that. Engage with us on as many platforms as possible. Also, you can watch our videos on YouTube as well that we have up. Just look up that black boy joy. On YouTube, y'all love our visuals, y'all love what we do with our faces and all that stuff. Please check that out. And like we always tell our listeners and our guests and all that, please be so in love with who you are. Boy Joy. I'm talking about the bad boy joint.